Good morning. I'm not sure. Um, I, I didn't want to stop worshiping. That was that was awesome. It is awesome to be here with with each of you. Um, as Pastor Jeff said, um, I've been a part of this uh, lighthouse uh, church for since the beginning, and every time I get to come here, my heart fills with joy. To see so many people coming in here hungry for God. From from some more seasoned folks to, to the kids, it represents um, just a, a well for for people to come get fed and nourished on the Word of God. So thank you uh, for your dedication to the church and your sacrifices that you make and uh, for your entering into what we entered into this morning just open, with an open heart and uh, wanting God to meet you where you are, and He is faithful to do that. So thank you for the opportunity to come share a little bit. Pastor Jeff, thank you for that. Um, it's interesting that, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you up front, I'm not an official pastor. I haven't gone to seminary school. I, I haven't gone to presentation school or anything like that. I don't, you know, but, I am, but I am excited to share what the Lord has is, is put together here about Two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was reading through Exodus, and inside Exodus there were some things that were coming up and bubbling up, and I was getting excited about. So I was talking to my pastor about it, and uh, I was just so excited. It's going. He goes, Sean, that sounds like a sermon. And I said, Well, you can you can preach it. It's yours. You can go ahead and do your thing. He said, No, no, no. I think I think you're supposed to do that. And I was like, ah, I'm not. No, not me. I'm good. And about a week later, Pastor Jeff called and said, Hey, can you can you come and share what the Lord's working with y'all, and so thank you for that. And so I, I do believe that there is uh, one little point in here. I, 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 it's been confirmed, I believe, that the Lord has something to share for you today, and um, my prayer is that I wouldn't get in the way of that. My prayer is that it would come through as clearly as possible uh, for for each of you, and that God would get the glory uh, for, for what He's doing here and in our lives. So let's pray and jump into what the Lord has for us today. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, God, for the way that you show up, Lord. Thank you that you have come and condescended us with your presence this morning, Lord, that you want to be with your people. And I thank you, Lord, that we can enter in through song and through praise and and through thanksgiving and through worship, Lord. And I just want to just echo what's been going on this morning, Lord. We worship you. We thank you. God, there is no one, no one even in your field. Lord, when we put you and look at you there, you are at the top of the top of the top. And we want to come in and and just worship that and rest in that, God, but also learn from that as well, Lord. So I pray that you would speak forth in your word today, that you would um, just get me out of the way, Lord, um, and speak directly what needs to be spoken to, and that you would be glorified in the next few minutes that we have, God, and that we would leave different. We are already going to leave different with this worship that you've brought us into your presence, Lord, but I'm praying, God, you continue to, to manifest that change, Lord, in us as we go through the rest of this morning. We love you, and in Jesus' name, amen. So as I mentioned, I've been reading through Exodus, and uh, I am probably not going to add much to what the Ancient of Days commentaries have added over the years. There's whole sections of Exodus studies and all of that, but but I do want to focus in on, on one little area about how God interacts with his people, how God really wants to engage with us 
not necessarily just cause reactions out of us. And so, um, if you remember the story of the Exodus, right, um, Israelites were in bondage, the Hebrew people were in bondage, um, and God rose up Moses to come in and say, hey, go in and set my people free. And Moses stood there and was like, ah, I'm not the guy, I, I don't speak very well, um, they're not going to listen to me, you know, I, I need someone to come alongside of me. And God said, all right, I'll put somebody beside you, but you're still going to go and you're still going to lead my people out. And so... Um, it, this is really a gathering of, of God's people together for kind of the first time at, at that kind of scale. Um, and so you see how at the very beginning when God's dealing with his people, he starts to shepherd and funnel from the very beginning. And so you may think that when, when Moses went to Pharaoh and said, hey, let my people go, right? You remember the plagues, right? Everybody remembers the plagues and all of that. That was... That was a sign of wonder that God has supernatural power over nature. So you're seeing God, you're seeing the Hebrew people, and they're like, okay, what's happening here? This is their first kind of view of God, right? They've been in bondage for years. They've heard stories and whatnot. But now they're actually seeing the hand of God moving in their midst when it comes to the plagues and all the things that we've talked about. We're not going to go through all the details of that, but I think I would encourage you to go read that. So you see the signs and the wonders that the, the Hebrew people saw. And then... Later on, a couple of days later, they actually saw God's supernatural ability to override the human will. So you see how he changed Pharaoh's heart, right? Hardened Pharaoh's heart up to the point where Pharaoh actually released him and let him go. I mean, Moses didn't convince anybody there, but the fact that God was interacting and engaging with his people, and now like, ah, oh, wait a minute, there's, there's more power here. There's, God's getting bigger as we go through. So then when they were let go... Um, and they start walking through. God shows up how? In a pillar and a fire, right? You know, right? It's okay. It's all right. And so by night, you had a fire. And by day, you had a pillar. Right? Cloud pillar. And then as you go through, and so God's now they're getting more tangible of seeing God. So now we've gone from supernatural powers to turning over God to, to human will. Now we're actually seeing more signs and wonders to people. And it's almost like a funnel. You think about it as like uh, a shepherd bringing his people in closer and closer. But it's more about bringing him closer and closer to what? To himself. And so <clears throat> during the time of the first three months that they're out and about in Exodus, they're coming through and God's providing for them in every way, right? Food, water, right? Manna from heaven, right? Water from rocks. You know, there's all kinds of miracles, but providing everything for them. In fact, they actually defeated the Malachites as they were going through these things, right? These are all things that were happening to them, to the people. And they're like, wow, we are being protected. We see God in this way. Wow, God's really, really big. And so think about it. It's close to a million people being exported out and on the desert. And <clears throat> they didn't have news or cell phones. And so you have these stories. And I can imagine the announcements and going through the camp. Like, wow, can you believe God did this? And God's going, God, there's the fire again. I told you guys, look, it's still here. It's still with us. So the excitement is building the awesomeness of God's getting bigger and bigger and bigger in their eyes. And so, because <clears throat> he is the Lord that got them out of Egypt, right? And so, um, I can only imagine that kind of hugeness based on stories, based on things we see. So, my family and I, we are planning our first trip to the Grand Canyon in the spring, or late, yeah, late spring. So, we're super excited, but we read, we've, we've read stuff about it, we've looked online, we've talked to people, and the number one thing that they've said, everyone we've talked to is, ah. Oh, Words and pictures can't do it justice. You have to experience it yourself. 
Well, well, that's why I'm asking you. I want give me some give me some idea. I need some give me excitement. And so they're sharing it, and and so we're really excited about that. But it really is. It was an example of just seeing how we're hearing and the Israelites people are hearing God moving in their midst. He's getting really big. Oh, you just got to experience it. So they continue to go through the the exit. Um, they come to a mountain, right? They come to Mount Sinai. And finally, they can actually see something with their human eyes a little bit more. So think of it as that shepherding coming into a funnel. And so it brings them to Mount Sinai. And we've gone from wonders to human will to showing up in real life to now a huge mountain. So turn in, in Exodus 19, in just a couple verses here, Exodus 19. And so this is where God starts to draw more closer to his people. Again, that funnel, as you get in that funnel, it's going to draw you closer and closer to each other. So in Exodus 19, uh, verse 12, it says, um, so they're at Mount Sinai, they're at this mountain. Moses comes and says, the Lord tells Moses to get the people ready. Put limits for your people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain will be put to death. And jump down to 16. On the morning of the third day, right? The morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud covered the mountain and the very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord <clears throat> descended on it um, in, in fire. The smoke billowed up from it, and the smoke like a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. And so you see how God has now gotten to the point of now we're going to meet with, with God. There's a meeting that's happening. We've brought him in. So, and then from Exodus, uh, from that point on to Exodus 24, you know, God's meeting with Moses uh, to do the Ten Commandments. God's outlining all kinds of laws and procedures and property rights and social uh, gatherings and how to deal with just justice and mercy and even the festivals, right? They're spending those times in, in, in Exodus 20 to 23. But in Exodus 24, it says this, Exodus 24, verses 3 and 4. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Then Moses wrote down everything the Lord had said. And so at this point, they're like, thanks, we got it. We're going to do everything God says for us to do. We're going to do it. And as I was reading through this, what, what struck me for me um, as I put this together, is that this is the part of spending time inside the funnel, right? Inside the funnel of which we kind of stop. We kind of take our foot off the gas a little bit. We've already been uh, freed from the bondage of our sin, right? God set us free in a way. Um, there's the crisis that we're in that we called out for God, right? That's already kind of worked in our life. Uh, he perhaps puts us in a good church, you know? Um, and, but we're not suffering like we once were in the bondage of Egypt, right? Especially here in America, it, it, it's, it's, life's 
can be pretty good. You can kind of carve out a nice little life for yourself once your crises are taken care of. So this can lead uh, to, a, to just a stopping of seeking God for everything in your life. And so how much of, are we just stopping at the mountain of Mount Sinai and being in fear and trembling of the thunder and the shaking of rattling that we're seeing God? Are we seeing God correctly at that, from that angle? Are we, are, we, are we being in fear of God the right way, the healthy fear, or are we just looking at him as a taskmaster, someone who is unapproachable, right? Remember, they couldn't even touch the mountain, right? Is he saying, how, is even, how can we even get close to him if we can't even touch it? So my, my challenge here is as we go through our Christian walk, especially in America, are we, are we satisfied with where we are? Are we satisfied with being set free, not necessarily going to hell or anything like that, but are we are we comfortable with where we are at the foot of a mountain and not really seeing the full heart of God? Because the next part of the funnel, as he brings us down to the funnel, is there's an invitation. There's an invitation that goes out from God to have fellowship with him. In Exodus 24, uh, verses 9 and 11, it says, um, Moses and Aaron and the Bab and uh, Hibu and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw God, saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. Now, how awesome is this scene? When I read this the last couple weeks, I was, I don't, I've just never seen it before, uh, but it, it just locked me in of so many things that we could talk about this morning. But for me, when I think of this scene, it is an awesome, incredible presence of the Lord that brings us to awe of just shock. I mean, it's incredible, incredible scene that the God that was a mountain shaken violently is now invited 70 plus people into his presence to, to judge them. Doesn't say that. To bring them into his fellowship with him. How exciting is that invitation for him to come? Because ultimately that is where the funnel leads us into. Are we going to get into the fellowship? Or are we going to still continue to look at God as that taskmaster that is throwing violence on us and we're never quite good enough to get and deal with that? But that awesome scene. So when, I, when you think of feasting in the presence of the God, presence of God, passing food, passing drink around. This morning was an example of that. This morning of the song and the hymns, going through and sharing, it was just passing the plate with the Lord with a smile. Because if you think about it, you're sitting in a relaxed. I think some of the songs actually talked about this is that when you actually relax with the Lord and that in that kind of environment, felt true fellowship happens with him. And that's ultimately what God wants to bring us into. That level of fellowship. I mean the idea that there's smiles on people's faces in this room, passing and enjoying the presence of God, enjoying one another the way we're supposed to do. And that's a completely different picture than that of the thunder and the smoke and the plagues and all the things that how God's chosen to reveal himself to his people is always an invitation to come in. So I just want us to take a minute or two just to think about that. 
just somehow in your mind's eye think about what that scene was like of just how the presence of the Lord for people, and it said God did not raise His hand against them. Blows my mind of the mercy and kindness and the gentleness and the heart of our God. So kind and so merciful. And so, um, there's so many things to talk about, but I, I will I will skip ahead a little. But really, um, think about that fellowship. Do you want that kind of presence in your life? Do you want to really rest in the presence of God for your own life? Not just on Sunday mornings, but in the morning times when you're at, at your home, in your car, right? Do you want it all the time? It's okay to say, I, I don't know, but... But Lord, I, I want it and pray it and turn it into a prayer. Absolutely, turn it into a prayer for God to open the door. And as I was also reading uh, some of the Exodus here, I saw Moses kind of caught in the middle. Caught in the middle, going to go between between God and his people. Right? And, you see Mo- and Moses is pretty old at this point. I mean, I think about him running up and down mountains and trying to hang out with all these people. I mean, that's a lot of work. And it's a, it's a lot for an older gentleman, I think, uh, as he was way up there in e- uh, years. But but being stuck in the middle is not comfortable, right? Uh, I'm I'm I, I kind of I'm in the corporate world a little bit, and there's something called middle management. All right, let me tell you from experience, middle management you can't make anybody happy. Okay, nobody is happy in middle management, um, and it's either your boss is up top is not happy with you, you try to convince it down low, and that doesn't happen. You just there's a reason it's called stuck in the middle. Because you are literally stuck in the middle. But we see, we see the humbleness of Moses, um, and he got stuck in the middle. I mean, he, God was calling him, obviously, but he's in the middle to go between, right? So you got God telling Moses that the Israelites are stiff-necked people; they're not going to listen. And then, but Moses is there pleading on their behalf. But, but, but Lord, please just have mercy on. Don't block them out. Please don't block them out. And then the Israelites are just grumbling, complaining, rebelling. God's left us out here to die. And, Moses is trying to explain the law in very tangible ways for them to see God the right way. So he's definitely in the middle. But, but really, the middleness is not just to bring them there to, to have uh, a win-win deal. We try to put together win-win deals, right? The, the point here is not to put together a deal. The point of this, bringing these two parties to, together, is to show God as he is. God wants to reveal himself the way in which people can handle and people need to see God for what he is. And so you do. I'm very thankful for, for Moses and all that to, to try to do that, right? He answered the call of the Lord. But really, in that kind of middle ground, it's very easy and tempting to ask, how can I be a better leader? How can I be a better person? How can I be a better disciple? What, what can I do, right? I want to be better. I, I, I want to do a lot of things. But um, we actually miss the point when we start saying, I want to be a better leader. I want to do, even for good things. I mean, I think I think some of us in here would be like, well, Lord, I want to be a, a better teacher. I think that's okay to ask for. But it shouldn't be the only thing that we ask for. It's not That's not where our power comes from. And we can go to a bookstore and read how to how to be a leader. There's a whole section called Leadership Books. And you can read till the cows come home. Or whatever, but it's not going to make you that leader. But Moses didn't do that. Moses didn't say, make me better. Here's what he said in Exodus 33. Moses um, is talking and uh, in Exodus 33, verse 12. 
Moses says to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. So even Moses is saying, hey, I don't think I'm doing a good job here. I'm stuck in the middle. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. You, if, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Moses is asking for the absolute very best, right? He is seeking God's ways. Teach me, right? If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you. And that really is at the core of knowing God is a prayer to know Him. To live a Christian life is to know God and God alone. To see His heart inside, to be a reflection of His heart. And be open to that teaching. Be open to what God has to say to you. And as the psalmist says, you know, your precepts are more valuable than gold and silver. So you have... Moses pleading, okay, I'm, I feel like I'm stuck in the middle. Please, I need you. I need your way of thinking. I need your way of walking. I need to know who you are through and through. And in verse 14, it says, The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. I'm so thankful that the Lord speaks to us through His Word, that He gives us His precious promises when we need them, and He actually works on our behalf. He serves us. It's, it's, it's a mind-blowing to me. Verse 15, then Moses said to him, if your presence, so you got, he's, I love Moses because he's kind of doubting a little bit here. He's like, if your presence does not go with us, do not even send us. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? Right? And how much do people get stuck in the middle and go, oh, am I doing a good job? Oh, am I, could I do better? Or that is me. Maybe when I lay my head down at night, I go, oh, I should have done this differently. Or I'm going to wake up again in the same circle. Or, golly, I, I don't know if I'm doing a good job. I, I, Lord, I'm trying as best I know how, but is it enough? These questions over and over plague, right? Plague me. And it says, what else would distinguish me and your people from the other people on the face of the earth? And this is a picture of God's heart in verse 17. And this is spe- uh, very, very specific to, to what today is about. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and know you by name. At that point, Moses had to believe that. He had to believe it and accept God at his word. It's really what it comes down to. Well, Lord, you got to convince me. We do it all the time. Lord, you got to convince me. Lord, you got to show me this. But when God comes directly in you and, and puts it right on you and promises and said, I will do the very thing that you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know your name. And I believe there are some here in this room today that need to hear he is well pleased with you and that he knows your name. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with that, but I just believe that God is sharing his heart that I am pleased with you and that he knows your name. And He's pleased with you not because you're a great person, not because you've done all the right things, not because you you cross every T and dot every I or you have 20 hours of, of prayer service. Or anything like He's pleased for one thing. 
the cross of Jesus, the righteousness of our Savior. You see, you know, again, I'm not adding things to what some of the scholars have said, but Moses is a foreshadowing of Christ standing in the gap for us. His righteousness, His blood, makes us acceptable, not our best efforts. And I know we know that, and I, I know we can say it on faith, but I, I just implore you to really take that home, is that when you start thinking, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm not doing this right enough, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a class B Christian, right? I'm just not doing it. Remember, okay, but Christ is. Christ is supreme above everything. What He's accomplished on the cross gives you the power to be righteous in the sight of God. To have that moment that we talked about at Sinai to come into that fellowship is by the blood of the Lamb and nothing else. So please, that burden that's there that, oh, I've done you saved by grace alone and by the precious blood and the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so just a few scriptures just to remind us all that that's what that's about is in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. And again, Moses was just a, a foreshadow, a runner of what Christ is because Christ actually finished it. Because it says in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has been witnessed to at the proper time. You see, Jesus was in the middle too. Jesus was in the middle, but he finished it. He wasn't the go-between. He wasn't running back and forth trying to bring two people together. He himself walked in perfect harmony with the Father through this life to save sinners because he knew the will of the Father was to rescue, and only the blood of Jesus could reconcile us to that. And I'm very thankful for that. And I want to read this in Hebrews 2. It's a little long, but I, I want to read it in uh, Hebrews uh, Hebrews 2. Verse 6, just again, reminding us of Christ. It's Him. It's not our own efforts to do it. In Hebrews 2, 6, it says, What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with the glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet, at the present, we do not see everything subject to them. But, verse 9, we do see Jesus, who was made lower than them, than the angels for a while, and now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, He might taste death for everyone. And this is the bringing in part. In bringing in many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what He suffered. Jesus. Jesus made that way for us. So, if you're hanging around the foot of the mountain, I encourage you to remember your salvation. Remember the kindness of the Lord, right? Remember these songs. If you, if you just took these songs home with you and wrote them down and did them every day, I mean, that would bring so much freedom in our lives, so much more giving eyes and credit 
and fixing our eyes on Jesus. Because remember, Jesus came to give blind to the sight. Yeah, sight to the blind. <laughs> Sorry, not a pastor. Sight to the blind. But really, uh, and to give, and said to catch us free. But really, uh, eternal life for the most undeserving ones. Eternal life for the most undeserving ones. Um, of whom we were all chiefs at one time. And your biggest problem has been solved. Your biggest problem has been solved, and we should revel in that. So, in First Timothy 1.15, it says, This is the trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. In Matthew 17, it says, For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to Him by the majestic God, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Second Peter 1.17, I will tell you, I will tell of the degree the Lord said to me, you are my son today, I've begotten you. And just see the awesomeness of Jesus. And in Colossians 1.13, it says, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Think about that. Think about your salvation. Think about where you've come from. Think about the Egypt that he's pulled you out from. Even that, think about where He's pulled you from at the foot of Sinai. Think about all the miracles. If we could just practice seeing Jesus in every aspect of our lives, every minute of the day, God would get so much bigger. Christ would get so much larger in our eyes. And then Hebrews 7 says, Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to Him through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for Him, for them. So I think about rest in that revel in your salvation. When you start thinking, oh, I'm not doing enough, or I, I just am I'm down, but think about the glory of God. Think about how He has pulled you out. Undeserving. Undeserving. He's pulled you out. He's reconciled you so many different ways in your life. Now, the last point as I close out here, if we go back to Exodus in that moment of, 70 elders sitting in the presence of God. We all agree that was a pretty special moment, right? Powerful. I would say life-changing. I wasn't there, but I'm assuming it was life-changing. Yet, what happened as soon as they got off the mountain? Does anybody remember? Aaron, who was actually in that place, said, Ah, okay, I'll listen to you people. Give me all your rings. Give me all your gold. We'll melt it down. We'll make our own God. What happened? I don't, I don't know what happened. It doesn't say exactly. But what if they left that place praising God, worshiping God, and coming back down and telling other people about what they experienced? I don't know if they did or not. Maybe they got, over, maybe they got tied up. I don't know. But I think as we go through this and you go through your life and you have those moments of spending time in God's presence, you have to tell somebody. You have to share the goodness of of God is happening in your life. It's not a selfish thing to say what God's doing in your life. You give Him glory and honor. It's not selfish. It's actually proclaiming that what His Word is true. Proclaiming Him to be the truth teller. That He is the truth. And so, when you tell somebody what's happening with you and your relationship with the Lord, it actually builds accountability. It actually puts you in a place of just going, okay, well, this person talks about the Lord all the time. Then he's he or she's probably not going to participate in this way or whatnot. So it kind of builds in some accountability for you. 
because you're talking about how God's interacting with you in your presence. So I would encourage you to tell others as you as you interact with God in the presence of God. Because think about it, if, if they'd have come down and praising God and they were talking to people and like, wait, wait, no, stop, stop with, with the melting down part. Don't stop with that. Let me tell you, we just left this place that had sapphire coming down and God was there and we were able to smile and the fellowship was incredible. Let's do more of that. Who knows? They may not have been in the in the wilderness as long as they were. I don't know. But the concept is just understanding, remember that Jesus is every part of your daily life. As you go through, think about those moments. And so, um, as we talked about passing the plate of dinner in these moments here, I think we should leave today. As you leave, share with somebody today how the Lord showed up in this place. How the Lord touched you in a way to just, just give God the glory just to share as you go about uh, because that really is what it's all about is just getting others inside the presence of God so they can be changed. Because, and I'll close with this, in Hebrews 12, and I'll read this, Hebrews 12, 18 to 24, and verse 28. And we're able to do this now because of the precious blood of Jesus, right? We're able to do this now. We're not... We don't have to sit here and shake and fear what God's going to do. Yeah, God's not like us, so there is that. <laughs> there is a healthy fear of the Lord. Hear me. But, but God, Jesus has made a way for us to enter in because it says in verse 18, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness and gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or such a, violence, or such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken. Just that locked up fear, never quite, oh my goodness, what kind of God is this? He's not brought you into that. Because they could not bear what was commanded. And it says, even if the animal touches it, right? We read this earlier. Even if the animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. That's not the kind of mountain we've come to. But you, in verse 22, have come because of Jesus, right? To Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And in verse 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and in awe. For our God is a consuming fire. And I just implore you to remember that, to think about God as a consuming fire, but one that is living and one that wants an invitation to you. One is drawing you in. One is desperately seeking you way more than you're seeking Him. That wants to pull you in to have fellowship with one another because it pleased God to have the fullness of of Him dwell in Jesus, to reconcile all things to Him. So, um, as I close, I just just remember that salvation. Remember that ultimately it's Him and His presence that's going to change us. And we give Him all the honor and glory. As we pray, I just want to pray uh, Ephesians 3 for everyone here this, this morning. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, 
may have strength, Lord, that these people here would have strength to comprehend, along with all the holy ones, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That they, Lord, people of Lighthouse, people listening, Lord, may be filled with all the fullness of God. God, I pray, Lord, that each and every person that's here, Lord, would have the fullness of God, the absolute best from you, Jesus. That you, Lord, would speak to them in their quiet times, that you would bring verses alive, God, that you would silence the voice of the enemy, Lord, but amp up the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God. I pray that you would do that for the people here. Tune it in higher, Lord, so that you can get all the glory. They may know the height and the depth and the length of your love, Lord. Because at the end, Lord, it's you who get all the honor, you get all the praise, and that you can go far above and beyond what we can actually ask or think. And to you be all the glory. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think there's two things the Lord wants to do. One is healing for some here from the past, from whatever you want to call it, church hurt. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. Um, feeling like a failure. Feeling like you missed God. Whatever it is. I don't know. But um, the devil has lied to you. You have believed the lie that you're not good enough or something, um, and it's keeping you from entering back into that closeness, that intimacy, uh, His presence, where really your healing is. And then there's other people in this room that God has called you, but you think you're not good enough to go up the mountain. He's calling you up to the mountain. He's calling us all up to the mountain, but the devil has convinced you you're still not good enough to go up the mountain. You still got to do this. You still got to do that. You still got to do this. You still got to do that. And then maybe you'll be good enough to go up to the mountain. But Jesus said, you know, and it's talking about the Word of God in, in Hebrews 4, discerning, cutting us, so exposing us. Yeah, that we do. When we get closer to God, we start seeing I'm not like him. I, I, I'm vile. I am a wretched sinner. But if that's all you see, and you're not seeing Jesus, you're not understanding who your mediator is, it's not Moses. It's someone much better. It's Jesus who made a way for you with all of the sinfulness, with all the impurities to be washed clean by just simply saying, Lord, like Isaiah, that's where a lot of you are right now. The Lord, it, it, you're seeing him, maybe you're getting a sight, but the devil's right there. You, but look at you. And you're seeing it, and it's right. It's just what happens when you start getting closer to the Lord. Woe is me. But yet it says, one of those seraphim flew and took a coal 
and it touched his lips, and it cleansed him. And God wants you to walk in that cleansing. And the only way you do that is just simply by resting in what he's already done and putting your faith in that. So what I want to do this morning is um, there's a third group. Um, and it might be some young people here today. You've been in church and you hear all the rules and, you know, you think you've got to do this and do this and do this. And God is inviting you, I don't care how old you are, to know Him. And it's simple. You just got to admit, and I think you're already learning, I'm not good. I do bad things. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, I want to know you. I heard today you can be known. You want to be known. And that's what salvation is. It's to come in contact with the living God. And, and it's very simple. You simply acknowledge, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've heard this, you know, I've been in church, you know, however many years. Um, I know these things, but Lord, um, today I want those sins taken away. I want them covered. I, Lord, I really want to know you. I, I want to come into a relationship with you. And so I'm going to open the altar, and I'm not even going to make three different distinctions. But if you want to know God, if you want to know that you're saved, that you're born again, that today you're going to make a decision for yourself that I am giving my life to God. I, I want God. I want to know Him. I don't just want to hear about Him. I don't want secondhand knowledge. Whether it's your mother or your father or your pastor or whoever has been talking to you about God, He wants you to know Him for yourself. We don't have a go-between now. God's calling us up personally into His presence to know Him. So if you want to know Him, you need cleansing, first of all. They had to prepare, but Jesus has already done it. He's done all the hard work. You just got to come and say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I need your forgiveness, Lord. Jesus, I need what you did because I want to come into your presence. I want to know you. I want to know that I'm your child today. And then the others. God wants to heal you today. Listen, when I was worshiping, there was one line in a song. And it was talking about being God's friend. And I had a word spoken over me by a man named Manohar many years ago from India who I believe does hear from God um, that God used and still uses very powerfully. Um, he doesn't even lay hands on people. They get healed. He just speaks words out. But um, I, don't, I don't remember if it was a phone call or what, um, but he said, basically, Jeff, God wants you to know you're his friend. He considers you his friend. I don't always feel like his friend. 
because I have a voice in my ear all the time. It's constant. That tells me I'm not his friend. And this morning, before Sean spoke, through that song, he was reminding me of that word. And he was saying, you're my friend, Jeff. You are my friend. Quit listening to the enemy. And God's trying to hold some of you back. And it's the devil himself. If you're born again, if you know you're his, and you're responding to him, you're his friend. And he does, he's wanting to take you up higher. And he knows how to silence those voices. You know, you draw near to God, you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. And that's what he's calling us into. Drawing near. When we come together, we're drawing near together. Because it's him, it's his presence. It's coming into that feasting place with him like those 70. That's what he's calling us into as a body, as individuals. And it's out of that, I'm telling you, we're going to be able to go out and tell people who he is really because we have experienced him. We don't just have some nice things to tell them. And it'll be in our words. It'll be real. And God will open their hearts. So I want to invite us to come. And I really don't... Those that need salvation, it's good. Humble yourself. Come down here. Make it public. The others, if you feel the need to come down, come down. If, if he's speaking to you right where you're at, just let it be between you and the Lord. But if you want prayer, we want to pray with you today. There's people here that will pray with you. You need healing. You've been hurt. The enemy's lying to you. Or you're just afraid. You're believing the lie that you somehow got to jump through some more hoops. You're still not good enough to walk in your calling. And God is saying, no, he, he didn't wait. With, he cleansed them. He said, here I am. And he said, go. If that was true, none of us would do anything. It, it's his righteousness. So I just want to open up this altar now. Let's not be in a hurry. Let's let the Holy Spirit bring about what he's needing to do and wanting to do in some hearts this morning. And Lord, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you for your presence, Lord. And I just pray right now you would draw hearts to yourself. You know who those three groups are, Lord. This is about you. It's about what you're wanting to do. I pray you would help all of us to just get out of our minds others right now and take down our pride and Lord help us to humble ourselves because it's you we're coming to Lord and we're all in this room Lord we're all just nothing at your feet you are the marvelous wonderful one and it's you we're coming to today and I'm just confessing, Lord, I'm coming to you today, Lord. 
Lord, I'm coming to you. I need you today, Lord. You spoke to me today. I need healing, Lord. I need you to override those voices. I need freedom, Lord. Better, more liberty, Lord, to just walk. And what I know you've called me to do, what I know you've spoken to me, those promises you've given to this body, Lord. I need your boldness. I need your confidence. Though we all do in different ways, God. And you're calling us up, Lord. You're no respecter of persons. You wanted all the people to go up that mountain, Lord. That was your heart, really. They didn't understand it was about knowing you. They didn't understand it, Jesus, when you came. So God, draw us this morning, God. Don't leave any, let any leave here this morning without coming to you, without receiving what you want to give them this morning, Lord. And I pray you'll, you'll, you'll do what's necessary, what only you can do in every heart here this morning, Lord. So, Lord, we just come to you, Lord. As Josh just plays softly and maybe uh, is led to uh, lead us, um, let's just come to him and let's bow before him and let's let him do what he's wanting to do this morning. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are bringing us all to that place where we simply do want to sit at your feet, where you can reveal deeper things about yourself and where you can take us and speak the things you're wanting to speak to us. Use us, Lord, to share your heart with those around us, especially those that don't know you, Lord. So I thank you, God, and I pray as collectively as a body, you'll just continue to bring us to that place, Lord, where we're just at your feet and we become more and more and more enraptured and in awe and looking at you and holding you up in your proper place in our own lives, in our hearts and learning to cherish you and your presence when we come together and in our own quiet times in our vehicles, Lord, that we would be a people of your presence that goes with us wherever we go, Lord. And because it's in your presence, there's healing. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. In your presence is grace and strength and rest and healing and freedom. So, Lord, make us containers, vessels of your overflowing presence. 
as we go out of this place, as we interact with other people, Lord. Because where you are, anything is possible. And we believe you, God. We are believing you for everything you've promised. So God, I trust for what you have done today in our hearts that you will continue to work out your plan and your purpose and your will in our hearts, Lord, as we simply look to you, Lord, and continue to hold you up and to fix our eyes on you. Just have your way. Manifest your presence in a greater way in us, through us, when we're together, when we're out. Lord, and be glorified and work the things of God that only you can do through our lives, Lord. So I thank you, Lord, and we'll give you all the glory, Lord. That no flesh will glory in your presence, Lord. Lord, so we love you. We, we, we stand in awe of you this morning, Lord. I pray we would leave here with that awe of this God, this God that would want us in that way. Lord, make that real to us so we can make it real to the lost. There's a God that wants them in that way. So we love you, God. Thank you for being here with us, Lord. I don't ever want to take it for granted. We are in the presence of a mighty God, a holy God. But yet He desires us. He wants to be one with us. Lord, it's beyond my imagination. But Lord, thank You. Go with my brothers and sisters. Continue to reveal Yourself, Lord. Root and ground them in You, Lord. And Lord, for these little ones, for these young ones, Lord, I pray You will continue to draw them and open up their understanding that they might know You, Lord. Help them, Lord, to see their need for You. Just to hear You calling them. Give them ears to hear You calling them. Above all the lies of this world and all the, the lies telling them they need this or that, God, I pray you would just over and supersede all the voices in these young people's hearts, Lord. And I pray that your voice would draw them out of Egypt and into your kingdom. God, we are believing you to do that in every young person here, Lord. And we thank you for it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else need prayer this morning? We're not in a hurry. If you need prayer, just come down. We'll, we'll pray with you, okay?